I'm Kate Daniels. Breast cancer. Yes, this indiscriminate disease is still here, and so is the Komen Foundation, and particularly today, the race for the cure. It's our way to confront and beat up the disease. There's a lot going on, and therefore, I really appreciate having David Richard here with us. David is the executive director of Susan G. Komen Puget Sound and the ideal person to share insights and an important big invitation. David Richard, good morning. It is really so great to have you join us this morning. Oh, thanks, Kate. It's good to be here. And I can't believe it's already a year that's passed. The time just seems to fly by incredibly fast. Would you agree? I would agree. <laughs> I would absolutely agree. They seem to go faster every year. And thinking of the years passing by, this is really such an incredibly important year, I guess a milestone year for the Puget Sound Komen Foundation, the race for the cure. It's a big number. 25. Yes. Isn't that really exciting? Yes. Very exciting for this to be actually involved in the fundraising. Not so great that, you know, people are still suffering with the disease, but in this time, great strides have been made. Yes, absolutely. These, you know, when we fundraise here in the Puget Sound for Coleman, uh, 25 cents of every dollar goes to research. And we have a couple of amazing researchers right here in the Northwest, um, some of whom are people like uh, Dr. Noradesis, who's working on a breast cancer vaccine. So it's very, very exciting to be able to, you know, see where the money goes right here in Town. So very excited. And that's the kind of thing that I feel we can be inspired by, is to realize the incredible changes in research, the advancements really in research, to think about a vaccine now that uh, really when we talk about that, it's a prevention, isn't it? Absolutely. It's very exciting. And, you know, the thing is, is that over the last 35 years that Coleman has been in existence and this our 25th year for our race for the cure here in Seattle and the Puget Sound, we did so much to bring forward the issue of early detection and catching breast cancer before it does spread and becomes metastatic or um, goes into your bones or another, you know, major organ. So for us, when we have realized the importance of the work that we've done in the past, one of the things that we also recognized was that we still have the same number of women who are dying from this disease. We've not made any progress on that at all in the last 35 years as an organization overall. So we've decided to double down and really laser focus our research on the metastatic disease so that um, breast cancer will be caught early and then eliminated so that women, if they do get it, um, will live. And that's our goal, right? That's our goal is to cut the number of women who die each year in half. And that's that's really exciting for us, right, that we feel like we can do that. We can we can achieve that goal with the help of the community and fundraising and by supporting our research. And so I think it bears underscoring and repeating then the amount of funds from every dollar raised that we fundraise for this annual race that really stays right here for research. I think that that's significant for us to keep in mind and therefore motivate us. Absolutely. We, um, you know, in addition to the research dollars that come to the Hutch and to the UW, we have probably four common 
research scholars that are, you know, best in class and are working on all sorts of issues around metastatic disease. And that we fund that at about a half a million to seven hundred fifty thousand dollars every year um, through our support, you know, locally through the Coleman uh, here in Puget Sound. There's, you know, there's a there's about sixty five of us around the country that are also doing similar things, raising money and research goes into, you know, all sorts of different areas around the the nation and the world. But we also fund local pro- programs right on the ground that are helping women with. Um, free mammograms and um, and getting the financial assistance that they need for um, getting back and forth to to treatment maybe or paying a, a heat bill or a, a copay right um, there was just a study done where it was shown that women who get breast cancer sometimes don't get the treatment they need because they can't afford the copays and that's just that's just wrong we need to support those families that need that extra something to be able to get the treatment that they need for this disease. And so, again, I think that is our motivation. When we think in terms of donating, if we think in terms of fundraising, because we're going to be there as the walker or run at the Race for the Cure, then knowing, taking heart from this, that this is really, the dollars are going to such an important place and really supporting other women in our community. That's right. And, you know, I, I want to always emphasize to people that when we talk about these programs in the ground, we're talking about getting dollars to the hardest hit with, with poverty or who have um, the least access to care. So, and for us, the statistics tell us that Um, women of color are much more likely to get a more aggressive kind of breast cancer than Caucasian women. So we do a community profile every five years that tells us exactly where the disease is, uh, sort of what I call burning the house hottest, right? And that's where we focus um, our funds. And a couple of years ago, it was Grand Harbor County that came up as having a great need. So in addition to, you know, the majority of our dollars funding women in the sort of I-5 corridor, we also look for community hardest by poverty or who have the least access to care. And that's where we fund some of the dollars that we fundraise for here in Puget Sound. And what does that then look like? You were mentioning, you know, there, there might be the co-pays, there might be helping out with something like a heat bill in the home. Does what else, like would it bring one of the mammogram units, the mobile units to a community? Yes. That's exactly right. Um, I was talking to my colleague who runs the New York City affiliate, and she was telling me they only had two mobile monography um, vehicles. They look like big RVs, right, like buses kind of. And in in Puget Sound, we have seven. And Coleman Puget Sound doesn't own those, right? We contract um, with the state and then sort of work with our community partners to have the the mobile mammography go to the areas that we feel um, we can get the most women in need and get you know, signed up for a full day. And there's rarely ever a day that goes by that we don't have a waiting list to get free mammograms on those mobile mammography vehicles. And we go all over the sound, right? We go on to tribal lands. We go um, into communities that are have the highest rates of poverty. Um, we, we go wherever the need is to be able to reach women that wouldn't necessarily have access to a free mammogram. So in terms of actual numbers then, Seven units, you know, compared yeah. to New York State with the two, again, you know, is just 
really enlightening and just amazing. But then how does that translate to the numbers of women who then do avail themselves of this service? Well, so um, the reality is, is that um, we can only do about 25 women in a day in one of those vehicles. And so we sometimes are um, having multiple days where the vehicle comes to a particular community. Um, but we also work with our community partners like Swedish and Virginia Mason and SCCA, the Seattle Cancer Care Alliance, to make sure that if we can't get someone in, that we can get them into um, a mammogram, a stationary mammogram right inside of a clinical situation. So our goal is always to get you know the most women that we can get served in mobile mammography and then if and then we also fund what we call um, community health workers and their job is to help women get into those uh, get themselves to those um, mammograms and then also to assist them if um, in the worst case scenario we they do find breast cancer and so we are hiring these women to help um, our, you know, our patients get to the place that they need to go to wherever that is. And so we, we hire those community health workers in the Latina community that are um, working with maybe farm workers or um, folks that um, need services but don't know how to navigate the health system, right? You may be sitting here in Seattle and really, really educated and know a lot about health care, but it's still a nightmare to navigate and make decisions about what do you need to do for your, your uh, particular circumstance? And that's where the community health workers come in as such an important support for, for women who are battling this disease. So really uh, hits to the to the heart of the matter in this case, because we think about all the, the gaps that there are um, in health insurance and thus health care to have the opportunity to be part of that solution and with a disease that affects so many women, thus affecting so many families, so each of us, it there's a way then, you know, we can feel so empowered by participating in this annual Race for the Cure, the Big 25 this year. That's right. That's right. And, you know, um, the, the reality for us is um, that we're dealing with families that may lose one of, you know, the mom, the aunt, the sister. Um, and that's the, the hard truth about this work. And so by bringing us all together on June 3rd, you know, in some ways it's a celebration for those that have survived and or are surviving, right? Because you have to realize that there are hundreds of thousands of women in the Puget Sound who are dealing with metastatic breast cancer, which means that they're going to be fighting it via chemotherapy and radiation, whatever the doctors can do to keep that in check. And so June 4th um, or June 3rd, excuse me, this year on Sunday at the Seattle Center is a way for us all to support each and every woman and each and every family that's, that's either um, survived it and is living cancer-free or who is still battling the disease. And that's, I think for us, that's a new emphasis this year. We want to make sure, we feel like we haven't really emphasized enough the support that we need to give to um, the metastatic community because it's, can, I mean, can you imagine be fighting this disease for the rest of your life, right? And that's, that's what they do. Every single day, they're fighting it. And we want to make sure that we're loud and clear that we want them to come to our race and be celebrated and loved and supported like we do everybody that's involved with this cancer, even if for some women it's been 5, 10, 25 years since they were diagnosed. Exactly. So 
we need to come out and show our support. So that's number one. Do all we can to to get there on Sunday, June the 3rd, down to the Seattle Center. And then secondarily, we want to fundraise. We've just been talking about the need for those dollars, how they are so important and well spent. So we want to, we still have time right now, almost two weeks to do the fundraising. That's right. Kate, you hit it right on the head. You know, we so we tell people that, you know, $35 gets you to the start line, right? And that's the race registration fee. But from there, um, to really make an impact, we need our constituents to help fundraise and to um, put more dollars in the pot so that we can give more money away to our community partners and to research. And that's that's really important that, that people understand that um, the fundraising part of it, where the dollars go, how the dollars are being spent, whether it's in, you know, any of the areas that we've talked about, um, we, we don't. We we can't do it alone, right? We have to. We're we're we have to have our community um, come and support this disease so that we can we can give more money to research and invest more dollars in the metastatic disease. Um, so that's that's what we're really excited about is to let people know exactly where those dollars go and then to ask them to help us. Even if every person just raised $150 for a mammogram, we could do great things to try to achieve our bold goal of reducing the number of deaths in half in 10 years. So we think that most people would know where to go to register, but let's be very clear and upfront about it in case there's any question. Right. So it's um, comanpugetsound.org. And right there, you can go to the race page. You'll click right through and see the different ways to register. And and if you have any, if people have problems for whatever reason with the race website, you can always call the office, which is two zero six six three three zero three zero three. Again, two zero six six three three zero three zero three, and just ask for one of the staff to be able to help you walk through um, if you had a problem. But most people are finding it relatively easy to register and register their families or even their dog if they want, right? Yes. <laughs> it's really a family affair. So, and it is so moving. I mean, I, every time I see, you know, the parade of those living with metastatic disease and those who are surviving, um, you know, it brings tears to your eyes to see the young um, families, the dads with the small children, you know, watching their mom walk in that race for the first time or the third time or whatever it is, right? Because it also affects younger people. People, I think, have a sort of uh, not clear picture um, that women are um, getting it younger. We, we just lost one of our metastatic patients a couple of weeks ago, and she w- had been battling disease. She left a 12-year-old daughter, and she, her daughter lived with her having metastatic disease the whole time that Vicky was alive. So um, that's also tr- important to remember, right? It is true that as you get older, you become you know higher risk. We always say there's two reasons or two big, huge risk factors for disease that people are wanting to know. What's my risk factors? Well, the two highest ones, first is being a woman, and secondly, getting older, right? But that's not, th- that's not all, right? I mean, in some communities, women get diagnosed um, you know, in their 20s or their early 30s, like Vicki. So um, it's really important to learn about your risks and to find out if you do have metastat or breast cancer in your family, right? So many people are involved because they're mom. Um, but what I don't know, think that everyone realizes is that we need to tell the next generation that if there's breast cancer in the family line, that they're at even higher risk, right? So my daughters, I have my aunt who's a double, two-time breast cancer survivor, and then my ex-mother-in-law had ovarian cancer, and those two kinds of cancers are linked. So my daughters are very high risk for breast cancer because it also, people may not know this, it flows, that genetic 
um, whatever flows through the dad and through the mom. And so I think, you know, people having knowledge is power, right, in terms of fighting this disease and knowing your risk. And that's what we are always trying to get the message out to the community. And that's the thing that we need to remember is that it is affecting so many more of us these days. And I'm glad you mentioned the younger age, David, because I think too often we think, oh, it's just, you know, you know, I'll worry about that later. But no, look at these young moms. Yes. Right. Um, I mean, I, you know, we have a lot of men that are involved with our organization because of their wives going through breast cancer or having lost their wife to breast cancer. So it's true. You're absolutely right. It affects all sorts of people and all sorts of ages, right? Um, And that's important to remember because, you know, I think women sometimes are putting everybody in their world, their family, their jobs, everything ahead of their own needs. And we really want women to hear um, that it's important for them to take care of themselves and get those, that annual screening done because that's what saves lives is catching it early before it spreads, right? I mean, we always say breast cancer doesn't kill you as, as long as it stays in your breast, right? Because we can deal with it there. We can remove the breast or do a lumpectomy. We can do all sorts of things. It's when it spreads, right? And that's about um, it if we don't catch it early enough, right? So that's the, the big message that we want people to, even if they're younger, uh, to find out about their risk and also to get the, those screening mammograms. And if they feel pain or feel a lump, to get in to see the, the doctor and take the mammogram right away. And that spreading, that's the thing that is the metastatic, correct? Correct. When it moves out of the breast, and it typically goes um, from there, I mean, what's the closest thing to the breast? Well, it's the brain or the heart or, um, you know, some other major organ. Um, it also spreads sometimes to the bone. Uh, one of our wonderful Coleman scholars, Dr. Julie Grelo, here at the Hutch, is focusing her research in breast cancer around bone metastasize. Um, and so what she says is if, we can, if it spreads into the bone and we can keep it there, again, um, that doesn't kill you as long as it doesn't move from, to a major organ like the brain or heart or lungs or whatever. So um, there's all sorts of work being done to try to stop it. If it does spread, right, first of all, we don't want it to, but if it does, to keep it in check um, and then um, look for new kinds of ways to battle it, right, to fight it off. So um, that's the goal with the research and, and why it's so important for women to understand that it it's really a deadly disease that spreads very quickly. And um, in, in some cases, not every case, right, like my aunt who um, is a two-time breast cancer survivor, and she's in her 80s and she's doing great. She can't go out in the sun because the radiation back in the day just burned the heck out of her chest um, because they back in then they threw everything at you know the whole bathtub at the problem, and so some people are still suffering side effects from that sort of overdosing of um, of some of the treatments, thinking then that that was the best way to keep her from ever getting it again, which you know to some degree worked, but on the other hand, you know it's hard not to be able to ever go out in the sun for the rest of your life. It's a small price to pay for still being alive, absolutely. But the point is, is that. Um, that's my aunt's story is why I do what I do. And I want all the women in our community to still be in their 80s living a full and productive life and have to have having survived breast cancer. And the thing today as well, I, I suppose it's just time moving on and populations growing, is that there's no way that I think any of us doesn't know someone. It's either yeah. a family member, it's a friend. I mean, I think it's just 
probably one or two degrees of separation and and we know someone yep yep it's true it's true and for some reason we and we don't have the scientific data to give us an answer yet but for some reason Puget Sound continues to be having um, very high rates of breast cancer um, compared to the rest of the country. Some people say, well, it's because of the clouds and the lack of vitamin D. I've heard some people say, well, it's because, you know, something got into the watershed from industry over the, you know, earlier in the uh, 1900s or something. But it doesn't matter. The point is, is that it, it is what it is. And the fact is that um, we have a lot of breast cancer in our community and we want to partner um, with our community to try to um, to bring it to an end and to get the care and the services and the, you know, the screenings that we need for Puget Sound out there and available and getting everybody um, who who has someone that they know um, that's dealing with this disease to support them by, you know, registering to walk or um, or to fundraise for somebody else or, you know, I mean, our board chair has a 10-year-old daughter that um, she lost, our board chair lost her mother to breast cancer and um, Nicole Grogan, who's the HR um, people person, head of people person at Intellectual Ventures over in Bellevue, her daughter and she do bake sales. And you know what? Last year, Ella Grogan raised over $10,000 doing bake sales, if you can believe it. Right, and they start early, and they fundraise uh, all the time, going up to the to the race. And so my thing is, we can beat a twelve year old, right? We can do this. We're, you know, those of us that are working and have jobs, we can figure out ways to fundraise. You know, some people have barbecues, other people have picnics and fundraise. You know, it just depends on on um, on your circumstances. But I think Ella's story is just amazing because it shows the power of a little girl who's, you know, wanting to to give and fundraise for in, in the honor of her grandmother who passed away from breast cancer. You know, it is our young people. It's our kids, our youth, who really are such an inspiration. They don't seem to have a, a sense of limitations of, of, well, you can't do that. They just see a need and they say, well, let's go do this. And, and it's full steam ahead. Isn't it exciting? It's yes. so refreshing, right? Yes. <laughs> yeah. Yes. Yeah, absolutely. Um, we are, I am constantly amazed at, you know, the, the, the young man who's a kicker on his junior high football team named Van, who's, whose best friend, who was the holder of the ball. Um, he, his mom, the, the holder was, um, his mom was diagnosed with breast cancer. And so Van and he decided that they would do fundraising for every kick that they made. They're 12, these boys. And um, the first year, they asked us up to the, I think it was North in Everett somewhere in the North Puget Sound. And we went up and on the football field on a Friday night, and they honored us with the check for $3,000. And then each one of the kids on that team took a rose up to the, to the young man's mom who um, was sitting in the stands battling her breast cancer. And so they all took a rose to her to show her their support. I mean, isn't that a beautiful story? I mean, it's just, it's so touching what, what kids will do and, and how, uh, how inspirational they are, to me, anyway, like you're saying. that They are. And that is so beautiful. And just uh, showing that the big-heartedness, and, and I don't want to really be sexist about it, but there is a piece of it. You know, these, these boys that we think are macho football players, here they're showing this great love that exists within them and how... They're, the mother in each of their lives is so critically important to them. Right? Yes. I know. I know. Well, I mean, 
you know, when I was younger, I lost both my parents to a drunk driver and my aunt became my, my surrogate mother growing up. Right. I mean, she was, she's been there for me. We've been close. Um, I mean, that, that was 35 years ago. And, um, and that, you know, it's, I think that love, um, is what motivates all of us to do this work. Right. I mean, it's just absolutely true that, um, our family ties to the people that we care about. It's what gets me up every morning to be able to do my job. Right. I, we do it because we say we we live here and we save lives here at Coleman Puget Sound, and that's what we're all about, right? Um, and and we want we want the rest of the community to know that and to join us in this battle because um, it's just devastating to see a young mom like um, like Vicky pass away and leave a daughter behind, right? And we see way way too much of that um, because we do a, a metastatic breast cancer conference every year. Um, it was hosted at Amazon's headquarters last year. This year, Amazon has graciously agreed to host it again at their conference center on October 26th and 27th. So we really want to support our, our the women in our lives that are battling this disease. So we do this two-day conference to show them what's the latest in technology in terms of research and where can you join a trial and what what's the cutting-edge stuff that's going on out there in the world that might be able to save them going forward. So um that's why we do what we do, right, is to give um, as much as we can to those women that are battling this, whether it's a mammogram or it's treatment for that, or if it's um, that they've had it before and it's come back and it's spread into another part of their body, and now they're going to live with uh, metastatic disease. So, you know, that's, that's why we do what we do and why we want people to come to the race and help support us um, with fundraising efforts. So that's kind of our call this year, and I so appreciate you calling me and letting me um, talk about it on the air. I know I could just go on and on and on, right? <laughs> so it's very exciting, and I have a lot of passion around it. So, And that's very apparent, David, and obviously important, but when we're talking about life and families and love and, and being able to aim for being disease-free, then there's lots to be passionate about. That's right. That's exactly <laughs> right. Yep. So the way that we can do that, the race is coming up soon, but there's still lots of time. And, you know, hearing the stories that you've inspired us with, I mean, time is we can really put so much into these two weeks and get lots of funds for that time. So how are we going to do that? Well, you're going to come to um, Race for the Cure on Sunday, June 3rd. And if you can register in advance, that's even better and start fundraising um, you know, our goal is to get everybody to fund at least one mammogram and to come out and join the other families that are um, affected by this disease. So, um, or you can go and the, the website online is the www.comanpugetsound.org and just go to the race fundraising page and register to walk. And hopefully um, we'll get thousands and thousands of people out there supporting each other and participating in all the activities that morning for the kids and for those women that are the survivors. We we do a, a parade um, showing each woman um, the, to the rest of the community what year that they've, how long they've survived, and whether or not, or that whether or not they're still battling breast cancer. And it's going to be led by the the Seahawks Blue Thunder. So it's very inspirational. So we want everyone to come out and participate in that and, and join our family. We always say this is the club that nobody wants to join, right? So. Um, that's what we're hoping to get the message out um, today, um, is that you can uh, help us do that by uh, by coming out on June 3rd. Yes, at the Seattle Center. And if for some reason you have plans to be somewhere halfway around the world or something, so you can't be there, there is a way to still support, right, David? Yep. 
You can do it by registering online. You can, um, we call it sleeping in for the cure. So <laughs> if you aren't able to make it, then that's fine too. We would just love everyone, as many people to, to uh, register and fundraise. And you actually don't have to be there. So um, that's, that's great. Absolutely. And <laughs> yeah. to your point, uh, it is at Seattle Center. So um, we, we hope that um, all the listeners will, will come out and support those who have been affected by this disease because it's going to be it's going to be an amazing day. It, it is every year. So um, we're so grateful to be in a community where people are so giving. And um, so I, I thank all of our stakeholders and listeners in advance for their support of this cause because it, um, it makes a huge difference in the lives of women and families in the Puget Sound. Yes, it makes a difference. And that's one way that I feel we can feel more empowered that we are actually doing something constructive. So this is a big way to do it. So thank you. Thank you, David Richard, for being here this morning and for getting us all wound up to go forward and make this a big happening this year. You're so welcome, Kate. Thanks so much for having me. My pleasure.